Hello, Bill. Good morning, Matt. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you. And uh, I mean, we're taping this a few days before Christmas, but this will be the uh, the last episode before Christmas. So, uh, Merry Christmas, Bill. Now, you're you're uh, uh, if I understand correctly, you're a Christian sort. Is that is that correct? I am a Christian. So this is uh, obviously a meaningful religious as well as a fun secular holiday. So, so do you know? When the 12 days of Christmas start. Yeah, it starts on December 25th, and uh, the Epiphany is the last day, which is in January, 12 days. So uh, I, I'm not good at math, Bill, but uh, it's 12 well, days it's, after it's, December This 25th. was the beginning of the 12 days heading into the new year, but you're saying it starts on the 25th and goes through January. Yeah, the 25th is the first day of Christmas, correct. Is Three Kings Day, like day 12? Uh, it's day 12 is called the Epiphany. I don't know if it's synonymous. Um, I have to tell you that um, I, the, the, my whole life, I never even knew about the Epiphany or the 12 days of Christmas. And I'm talking about spending my whole life going to churches ranging from brethren to evangelical to Baptist to Pentecostal. This is more of a high church thing. This is if more liturgical, Catholic, Episcopal, Lutheran. That's where you get into this stuff. And so like literally my whole life, I didn't even know about this until I moved to D.C. probably. So you, so you don't do anything. The Lewis family does not do anything for the epiphany. Well, um, once I moved to D.C. and sort of got involved in the conservative movement, um, and as you can imagine, Bill, the, uh, the, the pro-life movement especially is, is, is a lot of Catholics. And so uh, we used to go to a, an epiphany party every year, my friend uh, would throw. So that was fun. But no. And um, in, in terms of our church, we have, you know, Advent, which sort of gets you prepared to celebrate Christmas. But pretty much the trees come down and the, the Christmas holiday ends as soon as Christmas is over for most of us. Gotcha. Okay. And so but it, is, it is interesting. And, and frankly, I'll just tell you personally, Bill, I've uh, I used to have this thing where um, you build Christmas Day up to be this big day, and then there's sort of it's and no matter what it would be a little anticlimactic and depressing uh, when it was over, and um, even if you got the toy you wanted, Bill. And so I have really tried to uh, to see Christmas season as you know, kind of going from basically the day after Thanksgiving to the Epiphany, instead of it being a day, it's a season. And one of the things that we do are a lot of visiting with friends. And like today, I'm having lunch with a buddy of mine from college. I'm bringing my oldest boy with me. Yesterday, we had lunch in DC with a friend of mine from uh, the conservative journalism, you know, actually a guy named John Gizzy. Uh, he, he's got that that famous gif where he like went like this and his glasses came down uh, <laughs> at the White House press briefing. Um, we, we had lunch with him in DC and my youngest boy. So a lot of stuff like that, um, but yeah, my church did not have the uh, the twelve days as as a uh, as a staple. And so, what are you what are you doing on the day itself? This year, we're doing family uh, stuff. It's my wife's family. Um, we're going over to her brother's house, who lives here in West Virginia, and uh, her parents will be there. Obviously, our two boys will be spoiled with tons of attention and gifts. And my wife's grandfather, who is almost 102, 
He'll be 102 in May. So he's 101 and a half. I don't know how many months that equals, um, but uh, he will be there. So it'll be a special kind of family Christmas. Um, we're having lunch with my mom um, on Saturday, the 23rd. So just a lot of visiting, a lot of family. And of course, we'll be going to Christmas Eve services, candlelight. This is really cool, Bill. Something we do, uh, and I think this is very common, mm-hmm. but there'll be, uh, we don't do a midnight service, but we do multiple uh, Christmas services and they'll have the lights off completely. And you'll either have candles or small lights mm-hmm. and sing Silent Night. And uh, I love that. So we will, we will be doing that Eve. kind of thing. Yeah, we're going to do it on Christmas Eve. Okay. Yeah. So no, but you, no, they have no different day. Um, well, Christmas this year is a Monday. Is that yeah. right? Yeah. Um, I know some churches do it. I think every church should be open Christmas morning and have a, a, a service. Um, but uh, because it falls on a Sunday, you know, we'll be going on Christmas Eve this year. Okay. But some, but, but you have gone Christmas Day. I have, yeah. And and frankly, I wish more churches would always be open Christmas Day and have services no matter what day of the week it falls on. Uh, I have to say, uh, ashamed to say that I have seen and been a part of churches that if Christmas falls on a Sunday, they do not hold service. I think that's insane, Bill. It seems like you had one job. This is This is your Super Bowl. <laughs> But I guess people don't turn out, maybe, uh, historically, is what they've learned. I think that's an indictment, but uh, it is what it is. All right. Well, uh, by the way, let me me say, uh, Bill, uh, a couple quick housekeeping notes. Uh, If if you are listening to this, you should watch us. Go to YouTube.com slash Matt Lewis. We are decked out in our, our, we've donned our gay apparel. Uh, we are we are looking Christmassy. Sadly, I think this week's episode will probably not be as cheery uh, as, as we would hope for a Christmas. There's a lot of serious stuff happening. Um, but uh, next week, Bill, and I'm taking the following week off, but but the week between Christmas and New Year, uh, we will do our annual um, who's up, who's down, who won the year, what did Bill Share get right this year, what did Bill Share get wrong. Obviously, I got everything right. <laughs> uh, who are the winners and losers, villains of the year? I don't know. We'll come up with some categories uh, for our for our rundown. And I do apologize, Bill, for those who listen to uh, the podcast. I think we made the I made I, I take ownership of this uh, the first editing error maybe in the history of of you of of the DMZ uh, where we at least initially posted only half of last week's DMZ audio. So my apologies for that. We'll, we'll muddle through, Matt. We'll muddle through. We uh, will. Now, you seem to think this is going to be some kind of downer of a Christmas episode, but uh, for some people, it's early Christmas, don't you think? <laughs> well, I don't know. If you want uh, a dictator uh, to talk about uh, the blood of immigrants, uh, if, if you... Uh, maybe if you, I think, I think I know where you're going with this, Bill. You were talking about the Colorado decisions, the Colorado court decision. And I think to me, it is not an uplifting thing, even though I am not a fan of Trump. Um, I I don't think this will work out. Um, and I am, I'm not, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm not mad at them for trying this and I, and I, but, but, uh, 
why don't you kick it off and then I will chime in? Well, you know, so the Colorado Supreme Court has said Trump is disqualified from the Republican primary ballot uh, because he engaged in insurrection and therefore is in violation of the eligibility standard to hold a public office under the 14th Amendment, which, uh, as I'm sure you know, Matt, uh, came about after the Civil War. It's a way to... Uh, 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 certainly motivated by the prospect of Confederates who uh, were treasonous to America, them getting back into public office. Uh, So this will almost surely get adjudicated by the Supreme Court. uh, And uh, there's the question about the Efficacy of trying to defeat Trump this way? Uh, should we uh, do this sort of constitutional shortcut, or should it be defeated at, at the polls? And so you're 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 seeing the Republican candidates take the latter argument. You know, this should be decided by the people. Uh, and uh, I'm just curious where where you shake out on that. Yeah. Well, I feel like I've talked a lot in the first ten minutes of this episode. Um, and the un- unfortunately, I have a lot to say. So why don't let me start and then you just interrupt me and we can go back and forth because I have, I have a lot of thoughts about this. So first, just sort of legally, obviously, I'm not a lawyer, certainly not a constitutional expert and not a lawyer. Neither are you. Um, but, you know, having listened to people who are and trying to discern, I just think it's not clear whether this passes constitutional muster or not. I think you can make a plausible case that Trump was engaged in an insurrection and a rebellion and that this amendment applies to a president and therefore a state like Colorado has the right uh, to decide that he is not eligible. I think that is a plausible thing to do, putting aside whether it's prudent, um, My guess is that this goes to the Supreme Court and the court will decide that a state cannot do this. Um, And I don't think that's exclusively because three of the justices were appointed by Donald Trump. Um, In baseball, a tie goes to the runner. I think a tie will go to the runner here, the person running for president. I think the court will be loath to insert itself and to say that someone who uh, is nominated by a pol- by one of the two major political parties cannot appear on the ballot. So um, my guess is, and we'll just start there, Bill. Um, my guess is that this is like an exercise in futility. What say you? Well, I agree that I don't think the Supreme Court's going to side with, the, I don't believe the U.S. Supreme Court's going to side with the Colorado Supreme Court. Uh, uh I mean, the base, the base. What this comes down to is: Can Trump be determined ineligible? And just, just to make clear, this is the this is the language of the section we're talking about here. No person shall be a senator, or representative in Congress, or elector of president and vice president, or hold any office, civil or military, under the United States or under any state who have previously taken an oath as a member of Congress or as an officer of the United States or as a member of any state legislature or as an executive judicial officer of any state to support the Constitution of the United States shall have engaged in insurrection or rebellion against the same 
or given aid or cover to the enemies thereof, but Congress may by two-thirds of each house remove such disability. So there are a couple of questions here constitutionally. Does this apply to the president? It spells out senator, representative, elector. It doesn't say president, so does it not apply to that level? Or does the hold any office, civil or military, under the United States, does that encompass the presidency? There's that question. And then there's the question of uh, when you're determining shall have engaged in insurrection or given aid and comfort, can these courts assert that? Can they adjudicate it themselves? Or does the person in question have to be previously convicted in a separate trial before you get to the question of qualification? So those are the two main constitutional questions here. Uh, And uh, if I had to guess, you know, not really, obviously we can't be mind readers. uh, I think at minimum, the U.S. Supreme Court will say you can't make this determination without a, without a previous conviction. That's my guess. Um, yeah. And I wouldn't be surprised I think- if that was a 9-0 decision, not a 5-4 decision. Um, but secondarily, I think, again, this is just sort of a gut opinion, uh, that having this question expedited to the Supreme Court, I assume they will take this in expedited fashion, I think it also compels them to take the Jack Smith appeal. This relating to is the president immune from these other cases um, that would normally get decided on a slow track through the appellate levels. Uh, Jack Smith, the special counsel, saying, hey, Supreme Court, can you just decide this now before the election, before we get too deep into this election season? Because we need, we need to clear this up so it's not hanging over anybody's head over the course of 2024. I think this puts pressure on the Supreme Court to say there's a whole bunch of stuff out here that's legal, that's constitutionally questionable. you got to figure this out now and make this a clean election one way or the other uh, you know, before the spring. Uh, so I am... And it's hopeful this will just get decided. All of it will get decided at the Supreme Court level. Obviously, they can't decide whether he's guilty or not on these other cases, but they can they can make sure the cases go forward. Uh, and so long as the Supreme Court isn't behaving in a partisan way across the board, I think this will enhance the legitimacy of the whole process. If they take Trump's side in all of these matters, that's less good. Uh, I think the legitimate thing to do is to say, you know what, 14th Amendment, that's a bridge too far. He's got to be convicted first. But you have an opportunity to decide whether he's guilty or not in these cases, and we're, we're going to let that go forward by saying he's not immune. That's legit, the, the, the legitimate way to go. Oh, I like packaging it like that, Bill. That's a good idea. Uh, by the way, it just occurred to me, uh, I think, you're Santa and I'm your elf. And if that worked out well played, is what I have to say based on our, uh, our attire today. Not see that coming. Um, you have the better yeah, no, I, I think we're I think we're agreed in the sense that, you know, look, I, I think, again, it's plausible to say that uh, 
this amendment would bar Trump from appearing on a ballot. Um, but I don't think it's obvious or clear enough to justify doing what this would entail. This is a big deal. Um, now, I have to say, I'm a little bit perturbed by what I'm seeing on Twitter from some fairly prominent people who are saying, you think Trump's a threat to democracy? Look at what Democrats are doing. And, you know, by trying to keep him off the ballot, that's, they're the real, and, and I mean, Bill, I have to say, it's like, you know, step one, Trump tries to overthrow, you know, an election and stop the, the peaceful transfer of power. You know, he incites a riot to try to stop the certification of the president. Then he runs for president again. Oh, yeah. By the way, while he's running, he talks about jailing military officials. He talks about, you know, immigrants or illegal immigrants poisoning the blood of America. Uh, he talks about being dictator for a day. And now because people will freak out and want to do whatever they can, you know, within. And by the way, if the court rules that he cannot be on the ballot, that is democracy. OK, I mean, I know it's not. Uh, it's not democracy. We don't have a democracy in the sense of, you know, one man, one, everyone gets to vote on everything. We have a, a republic. But my point is, if the rule of law is upheld and the courts determine that he actually is not eligible, according to the Constitution, that's the system working. Now, I don't think it's going to work out that way. But my point is, I'm, I'm just outraged by these people who are saying, oh, yeah, it's the Democrats. They're the ones who are being undemocratic here. It's like, well, can you blame people for being a little freaked out based on I don't think you have to be conspiratorial uh, or paranoid to look at like the events that have transpired and conclude like maybe we should try to stop this guy from becoming president again. Well, let me just take your argument one step farther because the the beauty of the American constitutional system, which is not pure direct democracy, but loaded with checks and balances and counter-majoritarian aspects, is that it is extremely difficult to exercise power in a wholly partisan way, especially on these really big, big questions. Uh, be, because we have a Supreme Court that cannot be instantaneously supplanted by one party that wins one election, it almost always, as people on who have been appointed by people from both parties, uh, and it's also it's a bit of a lagging indicator, uh, politically speaking. So you tend to have people in there because of because the lifetime appointment. You tend to have people in there who are appointed by people who won past elections, not won the current election. Uh, and so, the only way Trump's going to be not just found eligible in this one particular case, but almost any conviction is going to get appealed up to the Supreme Court. So it's only going to be affirmed by, you know, essentially a bipartisan judicial system. Uh, there's no way Trump gets put in jail 
or thrown off the ballot without some Republican justices agreeing. Uh, I mean, at best, you, if it's a 5-4, you could have three Democratic and two Republican justices, but you got to have at least those two. Otherwise, it's not going to happen. Uh, so that outcome would be not just constitutionally legitimate by the processes laid out and on the piece of paper, but politically leg- legitimate. It would have to be agreed upon by a broad swath of ideological uh, individuals. Uh, now, of course, I'm not saying that that's going to be accepted by the super duper diehards because they're going to see conspiracy yeah. in deep state. Um, they would say the, the, the establishment and the deep state were out to get. Um, um, but, Bill, the one flaw with what you just said is, and I, I agree, it's true as it pertains to Trump. But technically speaking, you could pack the court. Trump could get elected president and then he could nominate 100 justices Um now, would they be confirmed? That, 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 that's, but um, I think we need to um, we need to specify uh, that it is nine that 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 this needs this is one of the things that needs to be um, ruled on or, or determined. I guess it would take a constitutional amendment. I don't know, but um, we need there needs to be a set number of justices. It doesn't have to be nine, but there needs to be a number. Um, because you, one could, that, that, I think that is a vulnerability that has been exposed, uh, during this era. Well, okay. You only can pack the court by, uh, you, you, you can, you can add just as by law as it stands, that's going to require having a supermajority in the Senate, which is what need to be bipartisan. Uh, now the, the hack that some Democrats wanted to do was to abolish the filibuster and pack the courts on a, on a straight line, on a straight majority, simple majority. Uh, and uh, Biden never embraced that. Uh, he set up a commission to review judicial reform. They didn't propose that. Uh, and an attempt to uh, suspend the filibuster on a narrower basis uh, for voting rights legislation that was blocked. Uh, by Cinema and Mansion and the, and the other and the Republicans, uh, an attempt to go do an end run around uh, sixty votes for minimum wage and in reconciliation that was also blocked by several Democrat senators. So all these things would have been short of packing the court. But you know, it's, it's if if they had broken that seal, they would have established a press and they could have been exploited. Uh, by someone else yes. down the line. Uh, so m- the point I'm trying to make is, even though there was a push for this uh, by a good number of Democrats, they didn't do it. They couldn't get the numbers to do it. And so existing precedents hold. And that is going, that is favorable to legitimizing the current process regarding is Trump guilty, is Trump eligible? Uh, if we didn't yeah. do that, if if Democrats had gone over the, the the cliff here and packed the court, then nothing that would have happened regarding Trump legally would have been seen as legitimate by half the country. And that would have been a much bigger problem. But they might have also, and I'm not advocating this bill, because as you know, I was against norm violations, but let's play devil's advocate here. If Democrats had done that, 
They wanted to pack the court. I mean, they wanted to get rid of the filibuster to pack the court. I think they wanted to also add like D.C. statehood and some stuff like that. Puerto Rico, maybe. Um, had they done that, they could have potentially prevented Trump from becoming president again. And if you believe that Trump literally is an existential threat, that he could end democracy as we know it, end America as we know it, then um, maybe some norm violations are called upon. And I guess one question I have for you, Bill, in my mind, there is no doubt that Donald Trump is a very dangerous figure. And if he could get away with it, we know he would stop the peaceful transfer of power. How do we know that? He tried it, right? But I think uh, part of how freaked out people should be, and I mean, by the way, I mean, I'm kind of against it. I think you're with me on this, the, the whole deus ex machina, machina, you know, the ghost in the machine. Like anytime a political party thinks there's a quote unquote silver bullet, um, it implies to me they don't think they could win at the ballot box. <laughs> you know, what? that's why like impeaching Joe Biden uh, is maybe a sign of weakness for Republicans. Um, that all you got, you know, you can't beat the guy. You got to try to beat him some different way, take him out a different way. Um, but if people really believe Trump is 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 evil and would be a dictator, then you maybe are willing to do some <laughs> things you might not otherwise be willing to do. Which leads me to my question to you: How serious of a threat do you think he is, or do you believe that the country is so resilient and the checks and balances? are so strong that even Trump, with a second term, where the velociraptors can work the doorknobs, could not uh, could not overturn it. Well, I do think the Constitution is resilient. I think the Constitution was resilient the first time around. Uh, now, I do worry that, you know, Trump and his team are more determined than ever I think Trump has attracted, you know, the people who are there. There are people the first time around who are willing to say, "Okay, I'll sign up and try to keep this guy in check." You know, no one's going to be doing that the second time around. He's the only he's only attracting people who are who, who are authoritarian and just want to steamroll the whole system. And they're and they are already openly plotting to try to find every nook, every possible crack in the system to exploit. Uh, so I'm not trying to be sanguine about what I think a second term is going to be like. I think it's going to be really nasty. Um, but there still is a U.S. Supreme Court. Uh, there still is a Constitution. Uh, there still are uh, state governments that have their own processes. Uh, and it is extraordinarily difficult to, to really just quash everything and put everything under one person's thumb. So I don't want to put the country through it. I don't want to have those sorts of battles. Uh, and, I, and, I, and I'm very, I'm, I'm still optimistic that we, we won't get to that point. Um, uh, but to go back to. Uh, yeah. I mean, if Trump wasn't doing so well in so many of the polls, I don't think there would also be this freak out. I mean, there's sure. a freak out. Sure. There's a freak out because he's saying increasingly crazy, dangerous things. And he's winning. I mean, it depends what polls you look at, but he's a real threat to win. It's a legitimate threat that he could win sure. fair and square this time. Um, 
but let me say two separate things. You know, one is it would not. I mean, this is this goes back to the debates from from the beginning about when Trump first became president, and Democrats got very attracted to norm busting and norm violations, thinking, well, these Republicans have already violated all these norms, and so we're we're tying one hand behind our back if we if we try to be goody goody about this stuff. We gotta stretch the rules and uh, bend things in our favor to to save us from from fascism. And I think that that's that's a race to the bottom that uh, erodes the things that keep democracy sustainable. I mean, democracy sustain when. Everybody believes they have a voice in the system, whether or not they win a particular election. If every, if if a large portion of the country thinks I lost this election, therefore I have no power and no voice, uh, and the only way I get power is by uh, extra constitutional means, then societies break down. Uh, so it's not it's it's not uh, long term thinking to do things like abolish filibusters and, uh, uh, you know, break rules to change rules because, you know, that path lies madness. And we didn't do it. We didn't do it. Uh, and we have, we have maintained stability so far. Um, so that's number one. Uh, and number two, uh, I certainly understand people being anxious at the way the polls are going. Uh, but there's a logical reaction. All this awful stuff has happened with Trump. All these indictments have happened. So these awful things, why don't the polls reflect that? Does it mean that 49% of the country, you know, likes what Trump is saying and wants to bring fascism to this country? Uh, and therefore the only way out is to get them off the ballot. Uh, I don't think that's an accurate interpretation of the current poll data. Uh, we're still in a we're we're still in a place where the election is seen as a referendum on the incumbent. Uh, and people are frustrated with the incumbent either because of inflation hangover or they don't like his policies uh, with Israel and Gaza, the tr- more true for younger folks. Uh, and they, and there's a, a squeamishness about the way Biden publicly ages is his halting way of speaking that reflects his age. You know, all those things are not helping him uh, in the current poll data. But we're not in a moment where people are really focused on the binary choice. I see anecdotally in some of the articles that follow up with people after these polls uh, and they get pushed and they'll say, yeah, maybe I'm going to vote for Biden at the end of the day, but I'm mad about this or that. Uh, uh we people, I mean, swing voters exist. I mean, if, if there are no swing voters, the polls would be a flat line all the way through. There have been lead changes in the poll averages all year. The, the, the range of results is pretty minimal. It's not fluctuating wildly. But, uh, and Trump is at a high point. I think his average lead now is like two and change um, at this point. It sounds like you're... Pretty, you're fairly optimistic that Biden will pull it out in the end, and he'll end up winning. Uh, one, I am sounds op- like one, I'm optimistic. Two, we haven't seen a concentrated effort to focus on 
trumps negatives because we're one year away. Why you you wouldn't you wouldn't shoot all your bullets a year out? It doesn't make any sense. They haven't even finished the primary season yet. Um, so you know the there was a point when Obama really brought the hammer down to Mitt Romney. It was after the primary was over. It wasn't in, in December of 2011. Uh, so there's a lot to do to raise Trump. And, and, and I think what, what confuses people is like, how, how could you not know? How could you already not know what this character is all about? Uh, how, can they, how could anyone's mind not be made up at this point? But the fact is there are people's minds that are made up at this point because what they focus on shifts depending on events. Uh, and, that shift yeah. is going. Well, there are, and there are a lot of now in November, and there are a lot of Americans. Bill, I maybe I'm more aware of it now because I live out here in West Virginia, but there are a lot of Americans, and I'm spending more time with family on both my family, and my wife's family, all that. Um, there are a lot of Americans who see things that they don't see the things that we see. Like they're gonna the big story for them today is going to be how the Democrats are trying to overthrow democracy by keeping Trump off the ballot. That is going to be a huge controversy. So I wonder about the possible backlash of this. That's why you said I wasn't cheery. Some people might see this as a great day. Not only do I think this is not going to work, it's going to make things even more, you know, I don't blame the people trying to do this. Donald Trump has invited this clearly, but it's just going to be uglier. I think as well. I mean, Trump is going to put out deep, deep state conspiracies no matter what happens, whether this decision happened or not. There's always the, 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 he's been pushing a notion that everything was rigged from the minute he lost, from the, before he lost. So I mean, you're in a part of the country that is deep Trump country. Uh, and so you, you're not where the swing voters are. Uh, yeah, uh, and I'm not where the swing voters are where I live, you know, in North End of Massachusetts. Um, but I think there are people that swing. There are people that don't pay attention that closely to the minutia of the news. There are people that focus on what they're frustrated about today and don't have a strong memory about what, what they're frustrated about four years ago. Uh, so there's a lot of game left to be, left to be played here. And I still yes. come back if to you're the a swinger, If you're What's a swinger, that? contact Bill. He wants to hear from you to see what makes uh, makes you tick. I want to ask you, let me ask you this, Bill. Donald Trump, the uh, he said twice now, two different occasions, at, at least that I know of, that these illegal immigrants are poisoning the blood of America. Now, my inter- I think the obvious interpretation of that would be like somehow they're coming here and inbreeding and they're... Uh, Corrupting white blood. I mean, to me, that's this little of the day he announced for president in 2015. And it does sound eerily like Hitler. He said things I haven't heard any Amer- I've never heard Ronald Reagan talk about Reagan was very poisoning the blood, right? I mean, so this is weird. Now, JD Vance the other day, um, who probably deserves to win some sort of an award for bullshit. <laughs> claim that Trump was talking about fentanyl coming across the border, poisoning the blood. Um, I went back and watched it, what Trump had to say before and after. It doesn't seem like if he tried to, if that's what he's trying to say, he's, he's certainly not the great communicator because uh, I didn't hear him bring up fentanyl at that time. Um, 
but what the hell is going on? What's he? Why is he doing this? What is he? What's up? Why is, is this a mystery? Is, is this confusing to people? I have yes, I am utterly confused. What's he doing? Is Literally, this like a dog whistle is this- a very again. Trump Tower, June 2015, they're bringing murderers and rapists. Like, this is the through line of almost everything that he has done is a classic nativist, anti-immigrant, uh, uh, whipping no, up. This is, this is a major difference. I mean, saying that many of the, you know, some of them are fine people, I think he said, but saying that bad people are crossing the border and maybe doing bad things here is entirely different than poisoning the blood. It's entirely different. It might be an an amplification, but it's not, it's not 180 degree difference of what he was saying. It's all in the same vein. But I think it's, I I think it's going to 11. It's like going from a level five to a level 11. But, but, Trump is getting it's it's he gets crazier and crazier in almost every aspect but abortion. Like abortion's the one area where he was like, let's be pragmatist about this and, and not push a national abortion ban. <laughs> um, but I, I think he's he is going totally uh, extreme to the nth degree. He's surrounded by people who egg him on. Uh, it. I, I, I think he believes it. I don't. I don't think it's for show. Uh, uh, and uh, and we'll, I, I, it's it's hard to know. You know, you and I look at it and say that sounds like Hitler to someone who doesn't doesn't close attention. That that might sound like hyperbolic. Uh, so that's the kind of thing we really can get. Trump, Trump does. Trump seems funny. He has this weird thing. If someone else said that. I think it would seem much more ominous, even though when well, Trump a does it. His anecdote, uh, I think it was in the Times. They interviewed a, of an African American voter in Wisconsin who was uh, undecided and said, "Well, you got to admit, when Trump was president, that was hilarious." <laughs> uh, so you know, there are people out there like that. You know, uh, you know of any of any um, uh, racial uh, religious background, you just aren't that keyed into politics and just find Trump more entertaining than Joe Biden is. And they want to change the channel and see a different TV show for the next four years. Uh, so that is, how a can we survive? You got to find a way to push back against. You know, I don't want to, this is, I want to be a total downer here, but like, honestly, how can, how can we survive as a country with people who are voters who are okay with this? Like maybe we don't deserve to keep going. That's I, I think that that nihilistic attitude has always been present. But there's always been there's always been people with extreme views in America. We're just we're more exposed to them because of social media, and they can find easier ways to be uh, connected to each other. Uh, but we've always had uh, unsettling st- strains in the country's electorate, and people of reasonable mind need to band together and and keep those folks out uh, and not succumb to uh, our worst impulses. Uh, so I remain hopeful. One thing I remain hopeful about is that we're actually going to have a Ukraine border package. I know it's not going to happen before the new year, uh, but, you know, Schumer and McConnell, we're still saying we're, we're committed to this to, to get done after the new year. Uh, you know, 
if you think Trump is angry now, I mean, I, I know people are focused on the fact that there are people on the left will be mad at such a deal because of the border provisions. And I'm sure some will be. Uh, but I also think that there are Democrats who are genuinely frustrated uh, at the border influx, not because they hate immigrants, not because they think immigrants are inherently bad, not that they're poisoning the country, but it creates genuine hardship when a large number of people show up in your city and you can't find beds for them. Uh, that that strays municipal resources. It's not that you don't want to find a bed for them or that we shouldn't find ways to find beds for them, uh, but it causes disruption that needs to be addressed. That's a different question, whether immigration is good or bad in the, in the abstract. Uh, and so I think there are going to be people on both sides of the, of the aisle that are appreciative that something is being done to try to manage the flow of immigrants, number one. But on the Trump side, he doesn't want Republicans agreeing to something that Biden signs. And he doesn't want the notion that you can address the immediate border situation and help Ukraine at the same time. That violates the America first view of things, which is all zero sum. It really cuts to the heart of what his messaging is, not in his and JD Vance and people like that. You know, they want to make the zero sum argument and Mitch McConnell's on the verge of not letting them do that. Uh, and granted, it's not a given that if McConnell and Schumer come to an agreement that Speaker Johnson's going to put it on the floor of the House. But I think it's going to be a whole lot of pressure on Mike Johnson to say, here is something. Ukraine is in desperate straits. We do have a critical situation on the border. There are genuinely tens of thousands coming in on a daily basis, far more than in past years. Uh, and you may not agree with every last thing this. You might have a wish list. It's not all incorporated here. But if you don't do this, we do nothing. We do nothing on both fronts. And that's on your head. Uh, so I think it's going to be hard pressed to not put it on the floor at all. Uh, and if it passes, I think that would pass. Trump is going to be apoplectic. Uh, and Biden's going to be able to say, we are continuing. It's not just a one-off. My whole administration has been finding ways to work together on even the toughest issues. I said I was going to do it in 2020, and we've delivered on it. So again, a lot of games left to be played here. That's why I don't think the polls today – I mean, this is just one thing that could possibly happen in the next couple of months. There's many others. That's why you can't look at the polls today and say, oh, this proves – that Joe Biden is dead on arrival. This proves there's no way he can win. Lots going to happen between now and November. All right. Uh, you've left us on a bit of a cheery note. I hope that Ukraine border bill does pass, obviously. Uh, bill, you asked me what I'm doing for Christmas. Yeah. What are the shares doing? What are you doing this year? Uh, well, we are we're, so we we move into a new house next door from our old house. Uh, uh, it's a little bit bigger, uh, and so we're gonna we're gonna we've, we've hosted before, but it's a little easier to host family occasions now. Uh, so we'll, we'll be hosting. We got some family coming in. Uh, we traditionally just before Christmas in Springfield, Massachusetts, they have what's called uh, uh, bright nights, which is they they light up Forest Park with. Um, uh, very, they sort of like lit characters, like Disney characters and Dr. Seuss characters and other festive scenes. Uh, and there's Hanukkah and there's Kwanzaa and all that stuff. Uh, uh, and you and you drive through the park at night. Uh, and then we, we do that. And then we get a Vietnamese food 
because Springfield has the best Vietnamese restaurants in Western Mass. So uh, that that is the plan. Very good. I'm I'm getting uh, I'm going for Thai and Shepherdstown, West Virginia, as soon as well. How, shortly how, how, after we wrap, West Virginia. Uh, it's it's better than gas station uh, uh, sushi in Alabama. So can um, you, get, you get good Chinese. Bad. Yeah, it's good. You know, I mean, again, uh, where if you go to like a, co- I'm going to a college town, okay. so it's a little, you know. So you got, so, uh, so you, can but, get, you can get Japanese, you can get Thai, you can get Vietnamese. I mean, is, is anything you're missing? My son, uh, I don't eat sushi, but my son is going to get sushi today. So yeah, all right. Yeah, it's legit, man. Can you get Mexican? Legit. Uh, not great, but you know what? Last week when I was in D.C., I stopped by. Um, and visited my old haunt, which is uh, Takiero Poblano in Delray, which is a neighborhood in Alexandria, Virginia. It used to be my local, it's sort of like Baja, ta- you know, style. Uh, and I went in there and it was like, you know, they actually literally said, welcome home. <laughs> and uh, it, it was it was touching to be back. Not only great food, but, uh, but you no, know, the Mexican food out here is, is, is not... Uh, it's not superb. We need. What's the most surprising? Uh, what's the most surprising food I can get in your area? Um, you probably don't want to go <laughs> to eat in my area. <laughs> I um, uh, there's not a lot of fine dining. I will say Jose Andres is uh is is building uh a restaurant in Harper's Ferry. And it'll be there in a couple of years. It's going to be this beautiful, they're revitalizing this beautiful end that's going to overlook the river. Uh, Bistro 112 in Shepherdstown, West Virginia. Give them a shout out. Uh, there's the Bavarian Inn in Shepherdstown, which is good. That's like straight um, up. But sausage. Yeah. Oh, they've got the German. Yeah. All that. Yeah. And uh, uh, my uh, my son's piano teacher well, uh, performs there. And it's got, they have a little cellar bar called the Rathskeller and he performs there on weekends and uh I go sometimes I get drunk and, and sing along. Um and the, amazingly the tips go up when I'm there. So uh maybe I should wear my outfit and make is there it a West Virginia barbecue? Uh I mean there's barbecue places. My favorite barbecue place is actually in Percival, Virginia. Uh but uh there's barbecue, but it's not like there's no West Virginia barbecue. It's just is there, is there any sort of West know. Virginia cuisine or West Virginia signature dish? Uh, I'd say not really. We have this thing called ramps, ramps that grow. Uh, it's like a wild onion, yeah. I think. We, that we grow, that uh, and you go out and you you uh, you forage for ramps, and they're only in season like a few weeks out of the year. Mm-hmm. That's kind of uh, in my area. That would be the one maybe local specialty. So. All right. We don't have sugar shacks. <laughs> um, that might be, you, you, you might need to get into some, you need, need a side hustle. Start start some West Virginia cuisine restaurant. Define it. Make the cuisine yourself. Uh, no, I like that. My, my son is, is really into Japan. Um, and he's, and we're watching this, um, this this YouTube show called there's a guy who wrote a book called Abroad in Japan and right now he's doing a special journeys through Japan where he's driving uh, through northern Japan 
a lot of snow and stuff up there. And he's documenting every day of the trip. And one of the things that I didn't know, but J uh, Japan does really well, is every single city has a specialty, a dish that they're famous for. And people even in Japan will go to that city just for that specific dish. And they've branded it. And that's their expertise. And I think that's really cool. Yeah. And so I'm with you. I think we need to own something. You know, where I'm, I'll tell you where I'm from in Western Maryland, not far from here, Bill. There is a dish. It's called slippery pot pie, uh, which is different than regular pot pie. Slippery pot pie. I can't even describe it to you, but that's what where I'm from. And there was even a uh, kind of like a hardcore rock band when I was a teenager called Slippery Pot Pie that that took that name. So, well, that's very intriguing, man. It is. Google Slippery Pot Pie. Check it out. Plan uh, your vacations accordingly. Okay. I mean, obviously, uh, Maryland is about crab cakes and football, but, you know, <laughs> beyond that. All right. Well, I got I to gotta run and write something to save the Republic, Matt. All right. Well, um, no pressure, Bill, but I'm counting on you uh, to, keep, to keep the dictatorship at bay. So uh, write, write well, and uh, I'll see you back here in the DMZ next week. All right. Merry Christmas. Mer Merry Christmas.